What is up, sports fans, and welcome back to the second episode of the Blake Pace Podcast. I am your host, Blake Pace, and I just want to thank you again for listening in. Uh, I hope that if you've listened to my first episode, you like where this uh, show is going, and I hope you continue to listen. If this is your first episode, I appreciate the support and uh, hope that I can make you a weekly fan. Um, so yeah, I, I I loved the first show. Um, I had a lot of fun talking um you know, some rookie quarterbacks, uh, the NBA Finals. If you haven't watched that episode, it's not that outdated, um, so go check that out. It, you can find it on Stitcher now, um, and we're also on Blog Talk Radio in the works of uh, getting to Apple Podcasts within the next few days, hopefully by next week. Um, so make sure to check out the first episode if you haven't. If you have, uh, thank you. Um, I love the uh, support and the feedback that I got from the show, and I think we have, you know, something special here, and I'm excited to see how this uh, show continues to grow over, you know, the next months, years, wherever this thing ends up. Um, so, moving into our first segment today, um, you know, I'm going to start off every episode with my player profile. Um, that is my, you know, the way I'm going to start every episode. If you missed uh, Monday's show, I'm essentially going to, you know, pick my favorite athlete that I got to watch um, throughout my life. Um, who wore the jersey number that correlates to the episode number. Um, so uh, episode number one was MVP Cam Newton's uh, season in 2015. Now episode number two, um, this is a no-brainer for me. I did not have trouble picking this at all. This number two is the most influential athlete on my in my entire life, a 20-year athlete with the New York Yankees shortstop Derek Jeter. Um, specifically going with the 2006 season uh, at 32 years old, Hit 343 from the plate, um, had an on-base percentage of 417. He was the second place um, in the MVP voting, um, Silver Slugger, Gold uh, Glove winner. Um, let's see, what are some of the other numbers? 214 hits, um, 97 RBIs on 14 home runs, 34 stolen bases. Uh, Derek Jeter meant everything to the New York Yankees for the last uh, for you know from 1995 to 2014 played until he was 40 years old um really was my first idol growing up as a sports fan the first professional um, sports game i ever got to go to um back in the early 2000s i got to watch Derek jeter and the yankees play against the detroit tigers the year that the tigers went on to uh, win the world series actually um and i just remember looking out at shortstop and man Derek jeter um just a, a role model citizen and one of the best to play the game of baseball um He'll forever go down in history as my favorite athlete and one of the greatest players to uh, wear the pinstripes for the Yankees. Um, some other guys that I was, you know, some secondary guys for me. Um, in the NBA, two great athletes, um, Kyrie Irving, um, and I'm going specifically with the 2016-17 season um, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, 25 points per game shot, um, 40% from three, 47% from the field. Also racked up just under six assists, um, you know, was uh, unfortunately fell to the Golden State Warriors, the super team uh, last year in the finals. But um, Kyrie Irving, an amazing talent. And even if you want to go to the finals before and you wanted to say, I want Kyrie Irving from the 2015-2016 season. Um, yeah, the numbers weren't great in the regular season. 19.6 uh, points. Um, shooting percentage was down significantly, shot 32% from the field, but what he gave you in those finals, um, average, I believe, 28 in that finals against Golden State, getting uh, Cleveland their first um, NBA championship, uh, Kyrie Irving, a great player to wear, jersey number two, and then uh, staying in the NBA, one of my favorite players to watch, um, Kawhi Leonard, and I'm also going with his 2016-17 season, 25.5 uh, points per game, 
Um, shot 38% from three. That was something that I really loved about Kawhi Leonard's game is he consistently grew as a three-point shooter. Um, he's career now, career three-point shooter, 38.6%. Um, let's see, look at the other numbers. Uh, almost two steals a game, almost a block a game, uh, five rebounds, or sorry, six rebounds a game. Um, an all-star for the San Antonio Spurs, you know, uh, NBA champion in 2013-14, two-time All-NBA player, Finals MVP, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is an amazing athlete and definitely deserves to be up there as, you know, a top three, four guy of uh, players to wear number two. And I'm not leaving the NFL out of this one. Um, You know, kind of just as like I had Pat McAfee on for episode number one as kind of like a funny guy that I got to watch that wore number one. Number two, uh, Johnny Manziel with the Cleveland Browns, or you want to go to his college days at Texas A&M. Uh, Money Manziel, what what a guy! Um, you know, just a one of the most interesting characters that football has seen over the past few years. Um, you know, I, I'm a supportive of Johnny Manziel. You know, um, he has a lot of uh, you know, he's come out publicly about his you know addiction issues and uh, the rehab stints that he's gone in. Was recently hospitalized the other week. Um, Johnny Manziel, I, I fully support his NFL comeback. I don't think it will happen. I just think that this day and age, there are so many young quarterbacks that mean a lot to franchises and some older quarterbacks that deserve to at least have backup roles. I think it's going to be pretty impossible for Manziel to make it back to an NB or an NFL roster, but I support him 100%. If he's clean, if he's being honest, um, with NFL teams and with the public, then I have no reason but to support a player who is trying to get his life and career back on the right tracks. So uh, that'll wrap it up for number twos. Uh, my number two, Derek Jeter. Um, some guys on uh, right beneath him, Kawhi Leonard and Kyrie Irving, and then uh, Money Manziel uh, to get someone from the NFL included. All right, so now we're going to uh, move on to um, what we're, you know just a few of our segments today. Um, we're going to start off in the NBA. Um, you know, the lottery was last night. The top 10, the top 14 picks um, were announced, and I'm going to provide my immediate reactions and uh, a top 10 mock NBA draft. I haven't gotten to watch a lot of the players yet. Um, I, I did get to watch college basketball um, throughout the season, but I didn't necessarily dive into watching game film of specific players. Um, the NBA Combine is coming up. So I'm just going to give my my immediate thoughts um, on where I think the, you know the top 10 players in this draft will wind up with the uh, top 10 teams in the lottery. After that, we're going to move on to the uh, to Major League Baseball. Um, big news broke the other day that uh, All-Star um, second baseman Robinson Cano has been suspended for 80 games, testing positive for PEDs. Um, he has come out and denied that and said that he um, he was cleared to take uh, whatever he had been taking. Um, so I'm going to just talk a little bit about, you know, Robinson Cano's career, um, you know, as a Yankees fan, um, getting to watch him for a few years and then seeing him ship off to Seattle. I have a few thoughts about that. And then lastly, we're going to move into the NFL um, and not specifically um, anything that's going on in the league right now, but I want to kind of go up against something that I heard um, or saw last night um, on social media when a um, Fox Sports analyst has a three-hour show, put out some pretty bold claims on the top 10 rosters in the NFL, left off possibly the, you know, in my opinion, one of the better teams in football. So I want to break into his list. Um, you know, discuss what he said and, you know, where I disagree and a team that he left off that I think, you know, has one of the best rosters in football. All right, so let's not waste any time. Let's get right into my NBA mock draft of the top 10 picks um, taking place later in June, on June 21st. 
Um, so the order goes as follows. The Phoenix Suns have the first pick. Uh, the Sacramento Kings will pick at number two. Followed right behind them are the Hawks, the Grizzlies. The Mavericks have pick number five. The Magic sit at number six. The Bulls at seven. The Cleveland Cavaliers at eight. My New York Knicks at nine. And the uh, Philadelphia 76ers have the 10th pick via the Lakers. Um, so, you know, the the draft class looking to at, to me seems like a three-player race. Um, it seems like, you know, three top guys and then, you know, a little separation between them and those three, uh, Luka Doncic, uh, shooting guard, point guard, combo guard um, from overseas, uh, DeAndre Ayton, um, uh, center freshman from the University of Arizona, and Marvin Bagley, power forward uh, freshman from Duke. I think that those three have, you know, it, if they haven't um, earned it yet in this process, I think that by the end of um, the whole uh, draft process, they'll have certified themselves as the top three. Um, so starting off with pick number one, I don't think the Suns waste any time and they go Luka Doncic, um, you know, getting that another uh, play, uh, another stud in the backcourt to go alongside Devin Booker. And I have a few reasons for this. Their new head coach, um, you know, coached Luka professionally overseas. Um, I think that there's a real connection there and that has to go into a lot when you have a first time coach getting him a star that, you know, isn't only you know, a, a certified ball handler, 6'8", guard, um, can play the point, can play off ball, but also has a connection with his first-time head coach in the NBA. I think bringing them in as a pair um, is extremely helpful. And then, you know, the other two guys, DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley, are, you know, big men. And I really think that the Suns have spent their past few years trying too much to invest into their front court. And I think that um, to add another guy in the logjam of Marquise Chris, uh, Dragon Bender, um, Alex Len a few years ago, you know, and then you still have Tyson Chandler in Phoenix. I don't think that you really want to, um, bring a star guy in to, you know, even, you know, make things more confusing in Phoenix. I get the Arizona connection. Um, Deandre Aiden has played in the sun's backyard all year, but, um, if I'm Phoenix, I'm getting a guard to pair up with Devin Booker, creating a nasty backcourt, hoping to get something from your wing guys. Eventually, uh, Josh Jackson, hopefully he improves after, you know, not a bad rookie season, but a little shaky year. And maybe you get something from those bigs that you drafted a few years ago as they continue to develop. So number one, Luka Doncic to the Phoenix Suns. And then uh, if I'm the Kings and the Suns go Luka Doncic, number one, I am sending my card in right away. And I'm going DeAndre Ayton, center from Arizona. Um, to me, this is, you know, if not the best, the second best um, talented player in this draft, um, a freak big man. And after the Kings got rid of DeMarcus Cousins, uh, they go in and find their center for the future, um, you know, can play a great pick and roll game with uh, rookie De'Aaron Fox. I understand that the Kings right now have another big guy in Willie Cauley-Stein on the roster. Um, I don't think that he has the potential DeAndre Ayton holds. So Kings, number two, select DeAndre Ayton. And then um, third, the Hawks, I think that they're only in the position to take best player available. Um, that roster is a shit show, in my opinion. Um, you know, their coaching situation is in flux. Um, bringing in the assistant from Philadelphia. I spoke earlier on a courtside take this week about how I'm a little shaky about that hiring. Um, you know, if I'm a rebuilding team, I want more a more structured um, guy at the helm to uh, start the process. But getting Marvin Bagley sure is a hell of a start. Um, you know, if I, I'm looking at the roster for Atlanta right now, you know, Dennis Schroeder, I guess, is the guy that I'm most confident in. So I'm not going to take a guard. I'm not going to reach on any of these other guards in the first round. I'm going to go with the big man. You know, you spent the last two uh, last few off seasons losing Al Horford, 
losing Paul Millsap. You go find your next guy for the future. Uh, pick number three, Marvin Bagley to the Atlanta Hawks. Then at pick number four, the Memphis Grizzlies. They're in an interesting uh, situation for me. I, I, I'm going with um, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, power forward from Michigan State, um, 6'11", um, only averaged 28, 21.8 minutes a game, um, you know, fouled out a lot in college and, you know, couldn't um, really stay on the court, uh, so you couldn't really see what he could necessarily do, um, but he is an elite athlete. Um, he shot 39.6% um, beyond the arc. Um, and is a great defensive player. Right now, the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, they have talent on that roster. It's just severely underperformed. They've locked in too much money into um, the combination of Marc Gasol, Mike Conley, and Chandler Parsons. And if I'm finding, you know, one of those three guys to move on, it's easily Chandler Parsons, um, who's on a massive deal and has not been able to even remain healthy, uh, let alone perform up to his payroll. So, you know, I'm getting in another forward in there, um, maybe to play alongside uh, Marcus Saul, can space out to the three, essentially, um, in a forward position. He's a great shooter. You know, the Grizzlies, they, they have so much potential. A few years ago, we're in the playoffs, um, you know, lower seeds, but... To end up where they are now with the talent on that roster, they need to turn it around, and I think um, Jaron Jackson is the right start for that. Uh, moving on, pick number five, the Dallas Mavericks. I believe they go Muhammad Bamba, um, center power forward from Texas. Um, his seven foot nine wingspan. Uh, you know he'll be an elite uh, rim protector at the next round. A great rebounder, um, great defensive guy to have in the middle of your defense. Um, you know, a seven foot forward averaged 12.9 points a game, 10 and a half rebounds and 3.7 blocks in 30 minutes per game. Um, at Texas, he has all-star potential, um, in my eyes. And if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, I'm looking at my team right now. I like the guard play. I like my, uh, my rookie point guard. Um, I like, you know, some of the wing guys, Nerlens Noel, um, looking down low is a guy that you brought in. Things didn't seem to be right. I would go and find my next you know, defensive stud. Um, and, you know, it wasn't too long ago that uh, Tyson Chandler was defensive player of the year with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, find a sturdy body so Dirk can continue to um, play alongside him and not have to do as much on defense. Uh, Mohamed Bamba to the Dallas Mavericks at pick number five. Moving on to the Orlando Magic um, at pick number six. I have no faith in the Magic to draft properly. Um, and that's why I'm having them take Trey Young. Uh, this is what I will believe will happen. Um, Trey Young, in my eyes, is just... I, I'm not a fan of him moving on to the next level. I think undersized, a guy who wants to dominate the ball that much, and, and I don't think he'll find the production that he needs in the NBA, um, which makes perfect sense for the Magic to draft him. Because if you look at the guys they've drafted the past few years that haven't panned out, um, Evan Fournier... Uh, Mario Hazonia, um, Aaron Gordon, you know, came alive this season. Alfred Payton is another miss. Uh, they traded him to Phoenix, um, who is a restricted free agent now. I just, I, it just makes sense. It's one of those picks where you see a guy that, you know, is, you know, can, you know, some regard him as, you know, one of the best prospects in this draft class. Others see him as a complete bust. I don't lean more toward, I lean more towards the bust side. I don't think he'll fail. I think he has a chance to be an NBA player. Um, but it just makes sense looking at the players left available that the Magic go guard. And, you know, there might be another guard in a few picks that I like better than Trey Young, but I believe that the Magic 
believe the the ESPN thrown hype around Trey Young um, as their future. Trey Young, pick number six to the Orlando Magic. Moving on to number seven, um, the Chicago Bulls, who are in a great situation. I I love the Chicago Bulls uh, roster right now. I think you know what you got out of Chris Dunn this season after he you know blundered in Minnesota the first year of his career. I like where that's going. Zach Levine, the healthier he gets, you know, those ACL injuries are essentially like a, you know, a two season comeback thing. You can get on the court and everything will get a little bit better, but you won't get really back into your true self until the following season. So I think he's going to have a great year. Um, you have a sneaky good uh, rookie and Laurie Markkinen, um, who, you know, came on strong towards the end of his rookie season. Um and so if I'm the Bulls, I'm looking at my roster and I'm going to go probably with Wendell Carter Jr. from Duke, um, you know, a 6'11 forward who I think has potential as a center. Um, I'm not drafting him as a forward because I think that their forward, you know, is, you know, they have a, their starting power forward is Laurie Markkinen is the future right there. So I'm putting Wendell Carter Jr. next to him at center, um, you know, had nine rebounds a game, uh, over two blocks a game at Duke um, and shot. Uh, 41.3% from three-point range um, for that Duke team last season. Um, I think, you know, I'm a little worried of his defensive potential. I don't think he picks up pick and rolls that well. Um, but if I'm the um, the Bulls, I have to love the young talent I have. And there are some small forwards, you know, potentially they could go with a uh, Michael Porter Jr., McCall Bridges, Miles My- Bridges. Um, those are all... Uh, definitely potential landing spots um, in Chicago, but I think they go with their center. Um, Robin Lopez is a guy that I think is a great um, starting guy for a team. I think he's a capable starter, uh, but he's going to continue to get older, and I want to have my replacement for him ready um, by the time that he can't perform at a starter's level. So uh, the Chicago Bulls, with pick number seven, take Wendell Carter Jr. from Duke. Moving on now to pick number eight, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They got this pick via the Celtics, via the Nets, um, in that Kyrie Irving trade. And, you know, this can go in several different ways, um, all depending on what LeBron James chooses to do in free agency. Um, If LeBron James chooses to leave, you know, which I think is a very likely situation. They could easily go grab one of these small forwards, Michael Porter Jr., Bridges, the two bridges that I mentioned beforehand as well. Um, but right now I'm saying this with LeBron James on this roster. Um, I think at this point they just go best available talent. Um, you have, you know, some, uh, you have Kevin Love at the forward position, Tristan Thompson, you've missed out on some of the better centers in this league. So I'm not, you know, reaching on the next guy to take a big, I'm going to go guard and I'm going to go point guard. You just lost your all NBA player, Kyrie Irving, Um, I think that the Cavaliers at pick number eight will select Colin Sexton from Alabama. Um, six, three point guard, you know, really quick. Um, he's an aggressive guy. He kind of reminds me of what you saw last year in college from, uh, De'Aaron Fox. And I know De'Aaron Fox didn't have necessarily the greatest start to his, uh, NBA career, but I definitely think that he has potential to grow into an all-star and Sexton as well. Um, he is, you know, a hound on defense, just like you saw with De'Aaron Fox, um, you know, always getting in guys' faces, and I think he will pick up um, defense well in the NBA. Um, the guards, you know, are are better, bigger, faster, stronger, quicker, but Sexton is one of those guys, a high-energy guy, um, averaged, you know, almost 20 points a game, uh, three and a half assists in just under 30 minutes a game, led Alabama to the NCAA tournament. Um, the Cavs at this point 
Whether or not they have LeBron James, I think they need to go best player available. And in my eyes, that's Colin Sexton. So pick number eight, Cavaliers take Colin Sexton from Alabama. Now on to the New York Knicks at pick number nine. And um, I just want to go on a little rant about the Knicks real quick because they could have easily ended up with a top four or five pick in this draft. Um, They chose, uh, didn't choose, they won five out of their last 13 games um, and slid all the way down to the ninth pick in the draft. Uh, This was miserable to watch as a Knicks fan. You know, I like to see the Knicks win when I know that it's, you know, heading to the playoffs or something like that. But when you have a chance to get a top five talent, and then you end up at pick nine because you won some, you know, garbage time games at the end of the season. It's very frustrating as a fan to watch. Um, fortunately, though, I think there is a top five talent in this draft that is going to fall throughout this process and fall, you know, in my opinion, significantly. Um, and that is uh, Michael Porter Jr. from Missouri, uh, freshman small forward. Um, in my eyes, you know, I think Michael Porter Jr. is undoubtedly a top five talent in this draft. Um, I think. In my opinion, he is the best small forward in this class. Um, back surgery, uh, you know, you, you didn't, he had back surgery and he missed, you know, almost the entire season for Missouri this past year. So you really didn't get to see what he was and you didn't get to see him 100% healthy. Um, and I think because of that, teams are going to be scared to draft him because what have you seen um, him do against college talent? It really hasn't been that much. And then also with the comment coming up, I don't know what his physical ability is right now. I think that this is a guy that you're taking, knowing that when he is healthy, he can be one of the better players in this class. Um, So I do expect Michael Porter Jr. to slip in this draft. Um, It wouldn't surprise me at all if he was, you know, selected the two picks before to the Bulls or the Cavaliers. But um, I think right now the Cavaliers, you know, might find themselves in a win now situation, might still have LeBron James. So I don't think they go small forward if that's the case. I mean, the Chicago Bulls right now are also, you know, looking to just find those pieces. Um, You know, maybe they want Michael Porter Jr., you know, a high upside guy. But if, you know, they're looking for a, we want to take that next step now, um, they go Wendell Carter Jr. But the Knicks, to me, new head coach and Dave Fisdale, love the hiring, by the way. Um, I'm looking at the team and I, I think where they could go, to me, the Knicks have too many young talent invested in the guard position. Um, they spent the eighth pick last year on Frank Nitzlikina. They have Trey Burke on the roster. Um, they have they traded for Emmanuel Moutier right before the deadline. Um, you you know the the front court. Um, it's you know to be determined what Ennis Cantor chooses to do with his player option. Will he come back to the Knicks? Will he enter free agency? Uh, you have of course you know the star of the New York Knicks, Kristaps Porzingis at forward. Um, you also have Kyle O'Quinn, Michael Beasley. To me, the biggest glaring hole for the Knicks is at small forward. Um, and you know, if Michael Porter Jr. is gone, I, you know, still accept, expect the two Bridges guys to be available. So I could see any three small forward going to the Knicks. I would be very surprised if the Knicks don't go small forward. And the way that I have this draft playing out, um, you know, they land themselves a top five talent in Michael Porter Jr. Um, and now going to the 76ers to finish off my top 10 mock draft for the NBA, um, you know, immediately following the NBA lottery. Um, I have the Philadelphia 76ers, the pick that they acquired from the uh, LA Lakers. I have them taking uh, McCall Bridges, uh, small forward junior from Villanova. Um, and this kind of is just a situation where you you want guys to fit the way this team is building. It's kind of Houston Rockets-esque, um, where you have, you know, a great ball handler. Um, and then you want to put shooters all around him. You know, James Harden is a, you know, a much better 
shooter uh, than Ben Simmons is, but they're ball-dominant guards who can attack the paint better than a majority of the NBA. And what happens when those defenders shrink, shrink in? You want a great passer who can also kick the ball out to you know his four shooters. And so I think that the 76ers are in a tough situation. If they want to go after some high free agents, you know, you're going to have to let JJ Redick walk. In my opinion, you might have to do something with the Robert Covington contract. Um, and if you have bridges in here, uh, a career best, um, 43.5% three point shooter, uh, last season, um, average 17.7 points and five rebounds. I think that that's one of those guys. If you have this top 10 pick and you're the 76ers, you have to be thrilled because there's some great shooters, um, at the wing available at this pick. Ben Simmons is your point guard. You're not, you know, adding another guy there. You also have Markel Fultz, who knows what's going on with that. He could be your two guard or you could be a bench guy. Joel Embiid is your center. Dario Saric is your power forward. You know, small forward seems to be the hole for them right now. And I'm taking a lethal shooter um, from Villanova. And, you know, a, a guy that isn't, um, you know, some of these lottery teams aren't in situations to win right now. So they can take, you know, a 19, 18 year old kid that's a freshman. But Bridges here from Villanova is a junior. He's had some experience. He's a, been around a winning team in Villanova, some you know, two time champions. So um, I'm, you know, I think that this is a safe pick for the 76ers to burst um, through more potential that they have and, you know, be one of the better teams of the Eastern Conference next season. So just to wrap things up now, we've gotten through my top 10 draft. Um, just to get the names out there, the Suns select Luka Doncic. Uh, the Kings follow up with DeAndre Ayton from Arizona. The Atlanta Hawks at pick number three take Duke's Marvin Bagley the third. The Grizzlies at pick number four take Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, number five, the Mavericks take Texas uh, Muhammad Bama. The Magic, Orlando, the Orlando Magic at pick number six take Trey Young from Oklahoma. The Chicago Bulls at pick number seven take Duke's Wendell Carter Jr. The Cavaliers at pick number eight take Colin Sexton, point guard from Alabama. At number nine, the Nick, uh, the New York Knicks take Michael Porter Jr., small forward from Missouri. And at number 10, the 76ers via the LA Lakers take McCall Bridges, small forward from Villanova. So now after that, we're going to move on to my first um, segment to ever talk about uh, on the Blake Pace podcast in Major League Baseball. And, um, you know, this one is kind of near and dear to my heart as a former um, member of the New York Yankees second baseman Robinson Cano of the Seattle Mariners has been suspended 80 games for testing positive for PEDs um, earlier this week. And, you know, I, I just have a really interesting take from this because I think it's so interesting to see when players choose to move on from their winning dynasty, you know, this great team, and they they have that mindset, oh, well, I want to be the guy that makes another team successful. I don't want to just be another piece on this, you know, great roster. I want to be the face of a franchise. I want to bring a team to destiny. You look into the NBA and you take a look at LeBron James. You know, he's bringing, you know, essentially any team to the NBA finals. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's a lot easier to be that face of the franchise that just brings constant success um, in the NBA. Whereas in the MLB, there are so many different factors around baseball. You need great fielding. You need great hitting. You need great pitching. You need a solid bullpen. You need stars throughout that roster. You need a great manager as well, because that is extremely important to a team. And so, you know, Robinson Cano, when he chose to leave um, the New York Yankees after the 2013 season and, you know, go to Seattle, it was kind of like he was, he was, you know, he has his, um, he's got his, uh, world series championship ring from 2009. Um, he was, you know, a four time, five time all-star with the New York Yankees. Um, he kind of 
was, you know, ready for his next chapter and wanted to be the face of a franchise. He wanted to bring a franchise to the World Series. Um, and, and that's just so tough to do in baseball. And you look at his numbers now um, with the New York Yankees hit 309, you know, with Seattle in five years hitting 294. Um, his slugging percentage is down, um, on base percentage is down only by a fraction, but, but still it, you have this guy, you, you sign him to a massive contract, you know, a 10 year, $240 million contract that signed him through the 2023 season. Um, you know, you bring in that guy, there's so much pressure that goes on to you, especially when you enter and you're in your thirties, you're essentially your early thirties. You're supposed to be, you know, in the prime of your career. And then you take a step back and then the pressure mounts. It's, you know, why, why was this guy so successful on the New York Yankees? And, you know, he takes a step back when he's, you know, with the Mariners, you know, we finally paid him. He got the contract he wanted. He got the, the fresh start that he wanted. The, the next chapter in his MLB career started and he just seems to be underperforming. And it, it, it's, it's just the baseball's fault. You, you can't be the single guy to bring a team to destiny in baseball. There, there are too many factors that go into the game. And I think in Robinson Cano's head, he kind of just saw this. He, he didn't see that. He saw that, oh, well, I'm good enough to, you know, be the guy for a franchise. I don't need this Yankees winning culture. I don't need, you know, the Steinbrenner's money. I don't need all-stars at every position, the best closer in baseball, a great starting lineup. I don't need any of that. I can do this by myself. Uh, I can go to Seattle, who's got some other pieces, but it, it, it's just not, you know, it's not a great, a, a, as good of a market as New York is with the Yankees. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan, um, of their manager situation. I just think that there were so many fewer stars and so many, so much more potential for things to go wrong where, you know, he could have had this, you know, drop in his play in New York and it probably would have been okay because New York, you know, always finds a way to, you know, spend money, get guys around you to build a team where it's not just, you know, one guy carrying the weight on his shoulders. And I think that's the problem. It, it got into Robinson Cano's head and eventually, you know, he he tried to you know boost or you know revitalize his revitalize his career and gets back into um, you know steroids gets this eighty game suspension is extremely upsetting to see um, you know I was a big Robinson Cano fan growing up with the New York Yankees he's you know one of you know he's a great second baseman um, great lefty he was a you know as a left-handed player who played baseball when I was younger, I loved watching lefties um, play in the majors because, you know, you, it, there's not that many of them growing up where I came around. Um, and so it, it meant a lot to see, you know, some, you know, positive role models as a young kid who hit lefty. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's just upsetting to see where his career has gone now. Um, you know, still a stud, you know, this season um, he was hitting, uh, 287, um, on base percentage, 385, slugging 441, um, had four home runs, 23 RBIs. Uh, it's just, you know, he's getting ages hitting, ages catching up to him. And, you know, once you hit, you know, 35 years old and you're supposed to be the face of this franchise and your place starts to fall and, you know, you're realizing that you can't hit as well anymore. Your fielding isn't great. You're waking up, you know, and your body isn't feeling the same as it was when you were, you know, an all-star at age 23, you try and do some things to bring your career back to life. And, you know, unfortunately, he chose the wrong route. Um, I hope that, you know, he can come back um, from, you know, from this suspension um, and, you know, can, you know, 
make the best of the rest of his career. You know, maybe he's hurt a little bit of his um, Hall of Fame candidacy. Um, you know, that's a big thing with players now that have tested positive for steroids. Um, but, you know, I wish Robinson Cano the best. Um, you know, he's allowed to play August 14th against the A's. Um, it's just an unfortunate thing for himself, the Mariners as an organization, and uh, Major League Baseball as well. All right, so now that we have that out of the way, my little rant on um, Robinson Cano and his suspension in the MLB, we move to the NFL, and my topic for the day on the NFL um, is something I saw on The Herd um, yesterday, his Herd hierarchy of the top 10 NFL rosters. And, uh, you know, just to, for those who haven't seen it, this was his list, um, the best rosters post-free agency, post-NFL draft. Um, he had the Eagles at number one, the LA Chargers at number two. That was a shocker to me. Number three, the Minnesota Vikings, four, the LA Rams, five, Pittsburgh Steelers, six, Kansas City Chiefs, Falcons, number seven, number eight, the Dallas Cowboys, nine, the New Orleans Saints, and then it finished off with the New England Patriots at number 10. I'm looking up and down this list, and there are a few things, you know, a few things I have to pick with it. Um, You know, first off, the the Chargers at number two, um, I don't necessarily see what they did this offseason to particularly... Um, boost themselves up to the second most talented roster in football. I think they've got an aging quarterback. Um, Melvin Gordon took a step back last season. The offensive line on the right side isn't that great. Uh, their wide receiver play, they've got a great stud in Keenan Allen, but where's, you know, the other guys? Um, you know, they have the best pass rushing duo in the league. I'll give them that, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Um, they need help at safety, in my opinion, um, and then middle linebacker as well. You know, their D tackles are also getting old. Uh, that was, you know, something that was concerning to me to, you know, to see Colin Cowherd come out there and say that they're the second best roster in football. Um, that was a little, you know, a little puzzling for me. Um, and then, you know, a few other problems with this list, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, with the number six NFL roster, um, I think they have one of the better offensive rosters in football. I can, you know, speak every day about Pat Mahomes um, and what I think he's going to do next year for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the wide receiving core is amazing. Kareem Hunt at running back, um, a, a solid offensive line. But I don't know how you can look at the Chiefs defense and say, oh, yeah, that that bounces it off enough to be a top 10 NFL roster. They, you know, essentially got rid, cut ties with all of their older veterans and, you know, traded away. Um, their number one cornerback in the offseason to the Rams, Marcus Peters. Um, they have Eric Berry, uh, but they didn't really replenish their defense enough for me to think that they're a top 10 roster. Um, you know, I think that the Saints are way too low. Um, you know, if you look at New Orleans, he has them at number nine. I think they have one of the more accurate, better quarterbacks in football and Drew Brees. They have <laughs> possibly one of the better running backs in all of football um, in Alvin Kamara, a solid receiving core. Um, Cam Jordan last year was a menace uh, up front. They have one of the better secondaries, um, and in my opinion, one of the best cornerbacks in football in Marshawn Lattimore. Um, I think they're, you know, I think they have a better roster than the Dallas Cowboys, the Atlanta Falcons, definitely the Chiefs, and I think they even have a better roster than the Chargers. Um, But all of these things, all these issues that I have with it, don't even mask, you know, my my biggest complaint looking at these top 10 NFL rosters. And I think they're missing out on, if not the best roster in football, the second best right behind the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I don't get how a Jags team doesn't make this list. They've got, you know, two of the top four cornerbacks in football in Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye. Number one and two, solid. They've got, you know, Miles Jacket linebacker. They've got the best defensive line in football. I mean, you take Yannick Ngakwe, Dante Fowler Jr., um, 
They draft Taven Bryan from Florida. You've got uh, Calais Campbell. I didn't even mention the best defensive lineman there. Uh, that defense is the best defense in football. Um, I get that the Eagles, you know, have a great defense, but I would take, you know, Jacksonville's secondary and linebacking core over the Eagles any day. Um, I would say the Eagles have a better offensive line. Um, I also would say that the Jags did a decent job in free agency and the offseason to really improve their offensive line. Definitely got the best guard free agent in Andrew Norwell. Bringing him in was key um, to, you know, help that run game. Um, and I think that, you know, Leonard Fournette, he might be a little banged up. Um, they might have used him too much in his rookie season. He also had some injury concerns in uh, LSU in college. But I still think that he's one of the better running backs in football. Um and I would take him over, you know, any of the running backs that the Eagles have right now. Um, I would, you know, take him over. If we're just looking at the other teams in this list, I would take Leonard Fournette over Melvin Gordon. Um, I would take him over Dalvin Cook currently. I wouldn't take him over Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley. I would take him over Kareem Hunt. I think Kareem Hunt is just inflated from Andy Reid's offensive scheme. Um, I wouldn't take him over Zeke Elliott. Uh, at this point, I would still take him over Alvin Kamara, although I think Kamara provides more in the um, passing game. Um, and I would take him over any of the running backs on New England's roster, uh, including, you know, their first round pick, Sonny Michelle. Um, and the receiving core isn't bad. You know, they lost um, Allen Robinson. Um, they cut Allen Hearns. But I think the guys that they brought in will do just fine. They have some great young receivers. Um, Keenan Cole, uh, D.D. Westbrook. Um, you know, they brought in Dante Moncrief from my Indianapolis Colts. I, I think that this roster easily is the second best roster in football. Um, of course, the only thing holding them back is the possibly the worst third overall pick in NFL history, Blake Bortles at quarterback. Um, if you've listened to me talk on the Gold to Go podcast um, all year, I've said that this is the most talented team in football. They just have one of the worst starting quarterbacks, one of the worst quarterbacks in general in all of football. Um, I would take, you know, some backup quarterbacks over Blake Bortles to start to uh, operate under center for my football team. Um, so, you know, I don't know how much that can affect a roster, but, you know, I'm looking at some of these other teams and, you know, they all have better quarterback play, but I'd say that the Jags almost have them beat out at every other position. Um, so I, I just think, you know, the Jaguars are one of the more slept-on teams in football. I mean, they were a half away from beating the New England Patriots and making it to the Super Bowl. Um, a few things didn't go their way. Um, they got too complacent in the second half, and you know that goes into not having faith in their you know franchise quarterback Blake Bortles. Um, but you know to hear to have Colin Cowherd, you know one of the bigger figures in um, sports media, come out with this list um, and have the Chargers at two. Um, the Saints way too low at nine, the Chiefs too high at six, and then I have the Jacksonville Jaguars in the top ten for rosters in the NFL. Um, I think that there's a lot more. Um, I, I just had you know a few things I just had to pick apart with that, and I, I completely disagree with this list. And that'll wrap it up for our segment today. But before I get going, um, you know I have another uh, amendment to the Blake Pace podcast constitution. Um, if you listen on Monday's episode, I came out and said that, you know, we're going to have just this list of um, things that I have to stand by throughout my uh, throughout my show. Um, the first one was that this is going to be a pure players podcast. This is for players getting their money, getting what they deserve, what they earn. Um, you know, I if you want to listen to my rant, I went on for about five to seven minutes about how I think that players get criticized way too much for protecting themselves and, you know, trying to better themselves for their career and future and setting them up for, you know, success beyond football. Um, 
So that's amendment number one. And an amendment number two, um, this is something that I think is so interesting because it's one of the most debated topics in professional sports. Um, who's the GOAT? Who is the greatest of all time at a specific sport? And one thing I don't think that people understand is that there can be a difference between the greatest player of all time and the most talented player of all time. And, you know, you, you would think that the most talented player of all time, you know, should be the greatest player. But it, it, the greatest player doesn't need to be the most talented. They just need to be talented enough and have the wins to prove it. You know, a guy like Michael Jordan, he's the GOAT. He was, you know, one of the best players to play basketball and won six championships. LeBron James, most talented player to ever play the game of basketball. He does everything. He's a great rebounder, great passer, great scorer. He's improved his, uh, you know, outside shooting over the years. Great defensively. Um, he can bring essentially any team to the NBA Finals. Of course, he doesn't get the wins. So I'm never, you know, I. it's tough for me to say that I think LeBron James is the greatest of all time. Um, but he undoubtedly, in my mind, is the the most talented basket play, basketball player of all time. Um, if you want to look at the NFL currently, I hate to say it because, you know, as a Peyton Manning fan and, you know, a Colts fan growing up, I hated seeing this team win. But it's undeniable Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. He is talented enough and has the Super Bowls to prove it. But if you look in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback of all time. There isn't any quarterback who has ever been able to throw from different angles, make as many clutch plays, the Hail Mary throws, the accuracy, his ability to carry, you know, some some piss poor teams with poor coaching to a Super Bowl. He has a championship, but he does he doesn't have the rings of a Tom Brady, so I don't think unless he can get to that by the end of his career, I don't think he'll ever be able to say he's the greatest of all time. But Aaron Rodgers is undoubtedly one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. If you put if you put LeBron James on Michael Jordan's Bulls back in the 90s. I think they win as many championships, if not more. If you put Aaron Rodgers on the Patriots with um, with that offensive scheme that plays more into the, um, the traits of an Aaron Rodgers, I think they don't even lose those two Super Bowls to the New York Giants. I think it's an easy, and they have seven Super Bowls instead of five. So you, you look at, you know, the most talented players sometimes are just in shitty situations. You know, they're in, you know, not, you know, attractive markets. They have a poor coaching staff, you know, the poor management. You know, Green Bay hasn't really been able to put great, you know, a great running game or a great defense around Aaron Rodgers his entire career. LeBron James, he couldn't get anyone to Cleveland. He is, trouble, he is having trouble this season getting anyone to Cleveland. But when you're the New England Patriots and you've got the greatest coach of all time, it doesn't take the most talented quarterback to be the GOAT. It just takes a really talented quarterback to win all those Super Bowls to be the greatest quarterback of all time. And, you know, you look at Michael Jordan, one of the, had one of the greatest coaches of all time in Phil Jackson. That's the combination you need. He had, you know, some other studs on that team. That's what gets you to be the greatest of all time. You don't necessarily be, need to be the most talented player. And, you know, in my opinion, Michael Jordan isn't the most talented basketball player. Tom Brady isn't the most talented uh, quarterback of all time. But they're the greatest because they were talented enough, you know, I'd say top five in talent easily, but they had the right situation around them, the right market, the right coaching staff, the right team to win enough Super Bowls to cement themselves as the greatest of all time. So uh, amendment number one in the Blake Pace podcast is a player's podcast. Amendment number two, almost just important. There is a fine line between the greatest of all time in a sport and the most talented of all time in the sport. 
And I think it means just as much to be one of the other because, you know, if you're the greatest of all time, I don't think, you know, that means that you were the best ever play the game, but you have the most championships and you were talented enough. And if you're the greatest of all time, you know, you carried your franchise for your entire career and you still were able to do it at a high level every year. So, you know, people, people always want to argue, oh, LeBron will never be the GOAT. You know, no, he might not ever be able to say he's the greatest of all time. He might not be in the situation to win as many rings or as many MVPs as Michael Jordan. But if you put them in there one-on-one, I guarantee you LeBron James is beating Michael Jordan in a game of basketball. And if you're having, you know, I don't know how you would really test, you know, playing 1v1 Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, but there are a million things that Tom Brady can't do with a football that Aaron Rodgers easily can. Aaron Rodgers can move out of the pocket. He can throw, you know, off his back, you know, across his body, off the back shoulder, um, you know, make throws that are, you know, just away from a defender's hands, only in the one specific place a receiver can catch the ball. And so, you know, people, people will want to, you know, shun these guys when their careers are over and say, you know, LeBron James, man, not the greatest of all time. Never got those six finals, six MV, finals MVP. And then, you know, you'll, you'll look at Aaron Rodgers when his career is done in Green Bay. Man, you know, only two to three Super Bowls if he gets there. If not just one, man, you know, he's not, he's not the greatest of all time. Tom Brady, look at him. He's got five right now and he's still playing football. So, but you have to respect the talent and you have to give them something. I mean, what they're doing for the franchises is unbelievable to carry a team and organization for years and make them relevant. You know, I, I think, um, I wrote an article on Aaron Rodgers. There have been, oh God, I don't want to get this wrong, but you know, a near seven or six years where the Packers had, you know, a bottom 10 rushing, uh, offense in the league and, you know, a top or a bottom 15, 16 defense. But they're still, you know, always relevant when that player is on the field. And that's what makes them the most talented of all time and not the greatest. They just don't have the team or the situation around them to win. Um, and yeah, so there's there's my rant for the day. Uh, I guess all my constitution amendments will turn into rants, essentially. Um, some of them may just be clear like this is a fact and I'm stating it and you can't say anything about it. Um, but these first two players podcasts, this podcast will always fight for the players' rights. And two, I think we need to stop the greatest of all time argument. I think that there is, you know, just as great of a case for being um, the most talented player to ever play your sport. And uh, yeah, I guess that'll wrap it up um, for today's episode. Um, you know, follow me on uh, Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace. Um, you can email me if you have any questions or want any topics. If you want to, you know, if you don't like anything I said and you want me to start an argument or a discussion with you, um, you can email me at uh, Blake Andrew Pace at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, please, you know, uh, you know, comment or subscribe to me, um, on any of your listening services, you know, leave me a review, um, five-star rating. I'd really appreciate that. And, uh, we will see you guys Friday. Take care.